Good morning everybody, it is Wednesday 28th of April and another sort of flat day today, although there's a little bit going on under the surface. We are up two points. The futures this morning were up 17 on the back of the Dow, up three. Ten-year bond yields ticked up a little bit. The US results season seems to be going okay. After hours, Alphabet's up 4.3%, but Microsoft's down 2.5%. Results season in the US has generally gone very well, with earnings up 35%. The iron ore price, $193.85. That is a multi-year high. That's up from around 80 dollars just over a year ago but BHP and Rio down over 1% today. Aussie dollar stubbornly firm 77.68. There's a bit of a divide going on in the US if you've had a vaccination you don't need to wear a mask in public and you can travel to Europe well that seems to be the way it's going and if the same thing catches on here it might provoke a few people to go and get their jabs if there are a two levels of citizenship those that are allowed to do what they want that have had a vaccination and those that can't we'll see inflation numbers today rba meeting next week fomc meeting finishing i think tonight so we should wake up to it tomorrow it's described as a non-event but we should have some gdp upgrades and reiterate the Fed target of inflation averaging rather than a specific target, which will allow inflation to spike a little bit occasionally. And a lot of debate about when the Fed will bite the bullet and start tapering. On that front, it's worth noting the Canadians did it last week, said they'd pull back their QE or bond buying by, I think it was about 25% on a weekly basis, and their stock market fell 2% and then promptly started going up again. So it may not be that bad when the decision eventually comes. Reading the Bloomberg expectations, some interesting numbers. They say central banks have bought a billion dollars worth of financial assets every hour since February 2020. They've bought $21 trillion worth of assets since the GFC. They've bought $8.5 trillion worth of assets in 2020, expected to buy $3.4 trillion this year and $400 billion next year. In other words, they are on current expectations, expected to taper savagely over the next year. And here we are being afraid of the announcement when it comes. It is going to happen. And the Canadian experience suggests that maybe it won't be that bad. And maybe they should get it out of the way just to provide some sort of relief from that uncertainty anyway. There are a few little stock items I'll just mention this morning. Chemist Warehouse looking at an IPO, talk of a bid for A2 Milk, Ansel up 4% on an earnings upgrade, Coles up 0.9% after its sales numbers, which were down 5% on the quarter. JB Hi-Fi, the CEO, has gone to Premier Investments. JB Hi-Fi down 3% and Premier Investments up 1.5%. St. Barbara Mines down 7% on production numbers. Metals X down 12% on production numbers. Now, one of the interesting things I pull out of all that is that you will see today that JB Hi-Fi gave or would not give specific guidance due to COVID. And this is a similar sort of message. They were one of the COVID beneficiaries, of course, as everybody bought their home office equipment. And we recently sold it 
in a rather timely manner, it has to be said in hindsight, on concerns that a lot of pandemic beneficiaries are seeing peak earnings around now, which is a message Coles passed to us in February months ago that the pandemic boom was unlikely to continue forever. And I would just note, I'll write about it probably tomorrow, but I would just note that some of the pointy end pandemic beneficiaries are absolutely over the top. You have Kogan, which was $23, is now down to $10. Redbubble, which was $7, is now down to $3.98. It's worth, I'll do it tomorrow, it's worth trolling through all the pandemic beneficiaries and seeing which ones you hold, because it's quite clear that they are seeing peak earnings and come this next set of results. Some of the comparisons, sales number comparisons, we've seen it in our own business. We had a bit of a pandemic boom and suddenly we're over a year after the boom bits and it's impossible to beat those boom numbers a year later. And that'll be the experience of a lot of retailers, automobile companies and other pandemic beneficiaries in the next few months, the admission that that is happening, which Coles told us, as I say, months ago. So watch out for your pandemic beneficiaries is the message. Right, other stuff today. I have updated the ETF portfolio and made some points about the ETF portfolio. It's worth having a look at that. The amazing thing is that we have done almost or had to do almost nothing to this portfolio since we cashed out over the pandemic and then cashed back in. We also cashed out in July last year, being too cautious as it turned out and had to get back in in August. But the performance has been phenomenal. Bear in mind, this is not a real portfolio yet. As I say, we continue. We have a COVID delay to our ETF SMA, which hopefully will still be on the way in the months ahead. But there are lessons to be learned from the performance of this ETF portfolio. I've put them in the strategy piece today. I won't run them all, run through them all. But all the outperformance of the market, that is, relative performance, all the outperformance in this portfolio came from decisions to cash out. And that's something almost no fund manager will do for you, but it is something you can do for yourself, trying to time the market. That's where all the value has come from over and above the averages in this portfolio. Most of the market focuses on outperforming in a bull market by presumably buying some heroic stocks that do better than the market and doing that consistently. But the reality is some of the benchmark indices that people are compared to, fund managers are compared to, are almost impossible to beat because they don't have any costs. They're compounding dividends, doing it efficiently, replicating the index, compounding and compounding and not holding any cash in a bull market. So in the bull market, some of these indices are very hard to beat. But here we are with an ETF portfolio that in a bull market has matched, almost matched after fees. It's impossible to match it, including fees, has almost matched with a low cost, low activity, low risk, low stress investment approach has almost matched this almost impossible benchmark index, but has managed to beat it because it cashed up in the corrections. So one of the lessons is that in order to outperform a fund manager and you, but you're not concerned with outperformance, but in order to perform well, you need to avoid the corrections. And that's where all the value in this portfolio has come from. The other lesson is that you could do a lot worse than be in a low risk, low volatility, low cost compounding ETF. 
and you can do that obviously in the US or here or in other markets of course. The other skill in investment is to be able to cash in having cashed out and that is just as uh, difficult or big a decision as cashing out. Cash, if you hold cash in a bull market, it puts you on the wrong end of compounding, which is the eighth market of the world, of course. In a bull market, compounding is working against you if you hold any cash at all. And that, of course, is the other reason most fund managers underperform, is because they are not 100% invested at all times in equities. And yet they get, get compared to an index, which is by definition fully invested at all times. When the market goes up, that's almost impossible to beat for a fund manager who occasionally or regularly holds cash. Anyway, so the third lesson is in a bull market, it's very hard to beat compounding ETFs in a bull market, of course. Another lesson is if you don't reinvest your dividends, you'll never keep up with a compounding index. And the last comment comes or it talks about risk Compounding ETFs offer one of the better return for risk ratios. Risk is low with ETFs. And if you hold an ETF, say the A200 ETF, I've worked this out this morning, the A200 ETF, which covers the ASX 200, moves around 2.4% on average from top to bottom in a week. And it's done that over the last 14 weeks, which is the standard ATR measurement. And if you look at BHP, it moves 5.3% a week from top to bottom. And if you look at Afterpay, it moves 13.25%. So ETFs over an index moving around 2, 2.5% are low volatility, low risk. And every investment and every fund, you can quite easily add up the risk of a fund. It's page one of portfolio optimization is looking at returns versus risk rather than just looking at returns. It's pointless to compare a plodding fund manager whose fund moves 3% each week from top to bottom with a fund manager whose fund moves 10% a week. You're going to compare on an equal basis the performance of each. So with every investment is a risk. And the point to make is that these compounding ETFs offer a pretty good risk to return ratio. So sum all that up into a few lessons. You need to learn to cash out. I know it's a scary decision for most people, but the why is it scary? Because the truth is, if you cash out, you've got no risk. <laughs> it's not a risky thing to do. The only thing you're risking there is you, you take a big risk as a fund manager because your relative performance will get destroyed if the market goes up. But as an individual, it's a low risk thing to do. So the lesson from the lessons from all this, let me start again, is everyone needs to learn to cash up. It's the only time you can significantly outperform the market, which tends to correct fast. So avoiding corrections is a great skill. The other one is the ability to cash in at the right time. That's a skill we think we are perfecting quietly. Another lesson, it's very hard to outperform compounding investments and ETFs give you that opportunity. And the other lesson is you need to relate return to risk and ETFs, as I say, fairly good risk to return ratio. By the way, I've given you a lesson in how to assess the risk of a fund or an individual stock in the strategy piece today. Have a read of that. Worth having a look. And the way to, or the core piece of information you need to assess risk is to know what the ATR is, the average true range 
which we explained today in the strategy piece and in a related article. But where do you get the ATR? Well, just look no further than the Orlord spreadsheet, which is updated in the strategy piece today. We actually have a column which relates the average true range to the share price. You could sort by that column and find the most risky or least risk stocks uh, in the All Ordinaries Index and choose appropriately. Anyway, a bit of a mishmash on all that today. Hopefully I got the message through, which is we should all learn to cash up more often exploit the corrections. Most of the market thinks the game is about exploiting the bull market. In a bull market, compounding investments over indices are very hard to beat. So one option is just to be in compounding ETFs and occasionally when the corrections come, try and cash out and save yourself some money and gain a bit of relative performance. Right, well, that's about it. As I leave you, the market is up one. Yawn Arama. Dow futures down 82. FOMC we should wake up to tomorrow morning. US results continue. Plenty more this week. That's about that. You have a fabulous day and I will speak to you tomorrow.